Well, welcome back to another episode of the New News Podcast. Josh, as always, joined by Andrew and Sandy and our special guest today, Robbie Hyde. You may be familiar with him already from a bunch of stuff he's doing over on YouTube. He's super awesome, and we're just really gracious to have him on today. Uh, just for A, for his voice in the MLB community as a whole, but also because of his passion for the Red Sox. And obviously, there's a lot of Cardinals Red Sox connections this offseason. So, Robbie, how are you doing, man? And for those who aren't familiar with you already, tell us more about your channel and what you do on the YouTube space. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, man. Hey, no, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. it it's nice you know to go on other channels to be honest i like talking to other baseball people out there um but you left one connection out right there we've had a couple of world series together as well that's true right? <laughs> they sorry, didn't go well up bad times i'm Forget sorry that. guys i will have flashbacks and nightmares of david ortiz in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> he was that good he even scared me a little bit um <laughs> but no thanks for having me uh i'm just a doofus that sits at my desk and I'm talking baseball as much as I can over at my channel. It's just my name, Robbie Hyde. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we've just been having a great time the last how many years, four years now. Um, I recently just jumped into this full time. I was a teacher for 10 years uh, in elementary school. And uh, yeah, you know, I was kind of just ready to make that leap. And yeah. here we are. So now I have more time to do stuff like this. And it's refreshing to talk some talk to some more people out there. That's awesome. It's been cool. I've been following your channel for a while now too. And Robbie just puts out some excellent content, live streams over the MLB offseason, of course. But he's got some fun flashback videos, all kinds of stuff. So definitely check out Robbie's channel if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, let's jump into some Cardinals content. Sandy, I know you've got something off the top for us. Oh, uh, okay. I think Andrew's so, got something uh, off the top first. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, maybe my bad. Yeah. No, I'm starting off. Love to hear uh, some of your thoughts on the Cardinals offseason so far. Um, there's been a little bit of frustration regarding some of the moves that we've made, some of the pitching moves um, foremost. Um, and there's a pretty vocal part of this fan base that feels like they haven't really gotten better. So, like, from a from an outside perspective, not from, like, a Cardinals fan perspective, how would you grade, grade the offseason so far? I give it a B. Uh, I think it's a pretty solid offseason, honestly. I, I'm I, As much as I like my stats, I just like some good old innings as well mm -hmm. you know just guys that can log them right if you go back to the 2021 red Sox, that team had guys like martin perez and garrett richards in the rotation yeah. somehow martin perez is still kicking uh but we were <laughs> going through those guys every fifth day but the key if they could just give you like five innings right and get to the bullpen then you, you that team had a chance and it really worked especially in the first half then the second half that year, yeah, it kind of started to wane a little bit, but they got to the playoffs and they were hey pretty close to getting back to another World Series. So yeah. I like the additions. Now, Sonny Gray, that was a prediction. I, I make horrible predictions, but that was one that I got. Uh, Sonny Gray to the Cardinals just felt right to me. I felt like they needed a guy that could give you innings, some stuff, and uh, that was a great move to me. Lance Lynn, you know, yeah, say what you will. The last couple of years now, he's – you know, he's gotten hit pretty hard, but I feel like that would be a nice return home for him. Get back there. I'm a big Kyle Gibson guy. 
You know, mm. he's not going to give you Cy Young stuff. He's just going to give you a lot of innings, man. I think that's what the Cardinals need. It was pretty evident last year. They just didn't have those guys, right? And then you had the bullpen get overworked a lot last year, and everything was just a mess, right? Yeah. It always starts with the starting pitching, in my opinion. So, you know, I felt like the Cardinals, yeah, the pitching was something they needed to do. I thought Aaron Nola was going to be a guy, but whatever. Um, I didn't really think there was much to do with the offense, to be completely honest. I feel like you got good bats in there. Arenado's defense was a little down last year, but I'll count on him bouncing back this coming year. You never count out Goldschmidt to give you a good season. I just felt like if you added the innings, I feel like they're back on track a little bit. So let's see if a couple more moves can be made maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so um, do you think the Cardinals will be able to get back into contention and, and win the NL Central this year? <laughs> you know, why not? You know, that division's so wide open to me. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course, like the Reds are up and coming, the Cubs, you know, Imanaga, let's see how much of a difference maker he'll be. Um, even the Pirates are looking pretty fun. The Brewers, they're always going to be there. But it, again, you can kind of make a case for every team there. The Cardinals are still talented. That blew my mind last year, how nothing worked out for them. So I feel like, you know, just looking at the mistakes that they had made last year, I think that's going to make them a little better for this coming year, right? A shaky year is not something you see very much in St. Louis. But again, I, I just feel like with some better health, more innings in that rotation. I think they're going to be a much better team this year. And, you know, maybe that goes in their favor. Yeah, it's, it felt like anything that could go wrong did go wrong for them last yeah. year, which you can't be the – you can't also think it's everything that can go right will go right, but you also yeah. hope that not everything will go wrong. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, you know, and the bullpen – I think the bullpen, it's projected to be pretty well, you know, th this year. Obviously, you know, you still got Helsley back there, Gallegos. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into, you know, some of the younger guys in the system. Yeah. That I'm sure you're going to see some of these names come up. You know, maybe someone, you know, maybe Hens can finally emerge this year. Maybe Roby, who you just got back in that trade with Montgomery at the deadline. You know, uh, you got some pieces here. And Mason Wynn, that's a fun player. You know, let's see what he does this coming year. Not a whole lot projection-wise, but. Gives them a little bit of a dynamic, gives them a great arm at shortstop, good defense out there, gives you a little speed. So, you know, and Jordan Walker, you know, I, I think that's a guy to really be on the lookout for this year. I think a lot of people were tabbing him as a rookie of the year candidate last year, and rightfully so, really good. But I think now that he's got a bit more of an – that was another thing too. That it was just awkward last year. It felt like you got this great young player in Jordan Walker, but you didn't really know where he's going to fit. Right. Yeah. So now it, it feels like now that Tyler O'Neill is on my Red Sox, you got some more space now for him to just run wild. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a delusional Cardinals fan. And so it's good to know that other people outside of, you know, the St. Louis area and the affiliation are, are feeling pretty good about the offseason. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, B plus, A minus type of thing. Um, but I think that the one thing the Cardinals really need to do to really put a bow on this offseason is add one more reliever. And it's something that we've expected them to do all offseason. Mm -hmm. Although, especially in the last couple of weeks, we've seen all these relievers come off the board and the Cardinals haven't made an offer to anybody. Naris today, we'll talk about him later, I'm sure. Is there anybody that you think the Cardinals could add? Do you still think they'll do that? And if they do, does it change your perception of the offseason? Ryan Brazier. Yeah. I'm Bloom. Yes. Feels right. 
It just feels like that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> if there is ever a connection, Ryan Brazier really picked it up for the Dodgers last year. Yeah, he did. Heim, do you know how long Heim held on to Ryan Brazier? Forever. Like, <laughs> he wouldn't get rid of him, right? Because he, he knew that's what was going to happen, right? Because yeah. yeah. he had good stuff, right? And you saw what he did with the Dodgers. And he wanted to keep that guy as long as he, he wanted to give him every chance he could to work it out. And it just did. It wasn't working, right? And he changed the scenery. Heard a new voice. Something clicked. He got it together. I think Ryan Brazier, someone like that. Uh, you got some other guy, like maybe Mayton out there. You know, that's mm. again. I, I'm thinking. I know Hein Bloom is not really like the the guy right now, yeah. but it looks like he's being groomed to be the guy. And yeah. I think he has a pretty strong voice there. And the Cardinals looking to kind of maybe evolve a little bit as an organization. I think they're really going to listen to him a little bit more. And, and this is a good place to start. He's brought in good relievers. Like John Schreiber was one for the Red Sox. Like mm. who the heck was John Schreiber? And all of a sudden this guy emerged a couple of years ago as like a lockdown setup guy. Right. Yeah. And so you can count on bloom, even though I know he's not the, the head honcho at the moment, but I think you're, you'll see some differences with the bullpen this coming year. Yeah. That's really good to know. And I love that you just started talking about Bloom because that's exactly where we were going to go next. Um, so let's just get general for a minute. Tell us a little bit about your your general thoughts about Heim Bloom, how you feel about his time with the Red Sox, and then maybe um, we can get into a little bit about his fit with the Cardinals, but we'll address that later too. Um, if the Red Sox win a World Series, he deserves a couple wow. of rings, in my opinion, for it. Mm. Uh, because they wouldn't be where they are now as an organization. This, yeah, of course, they're not there yet, right? They, they're still uh, at the major league roster. They're, they're not fully there. But that farm system, it was dead last when he arrived, and now it's fifth overall, at least at the midseason point, according to yeah. Baseball America. Um, now you got four guys in the top 100. You got lower-level guys. I'm trying to remember the names. Like Miguel Blaze was an international mm -hmm. signing. Uelan Cespedes was a good international signing. Blaze Jordan was a fun one that he nabbed. Uh, Nick York, he reached for. He had a down season a couple of years ago in the minors, but he was going through injuries, but he bounced back yeah. last year. He's looking pretty solid. That's th that farm is so well-stocked now with position players. Yeah, would have liked a little bit more on the pitching side of things in the, in the farm system. But overall, when you look at it as a whole, it is so much better. And then there were just so many underrated moves that he made. Now, Nick Pavetta is not a Cy Young guy, but you know, this is a low key pickup he made during that COVID season in 2020, uh, traded away Brandon Workman. And I believe Heath Hembry, if I remember that correctly, you know, getting Nick Pavetta who, wasn't finding his way in Philly and yeah. he's had a, a good role with the Red Sox over the last three years and looking like he's going to be a starter for this coming year. He makes those really underrated moves. They're not going to hit every single time, but he made a lot of good low key moves that, you know, they weren't the most flashy, mm. but they really went a long way. And, and that actually sounds like a Cardinals kind of way to yeah. me, not the flashiest yeah. of moves, but just good solid moves. And, I think with Heim, sometimes – and I think what did him in is I, I think – and I don't think it was fully on him. I think ownership a little bit. They they really restrained him. Um, you know, it's funny enough, you know, hey, they're now partnered with the PGA, right? Fenway Sports Group. They're just evolving everywhere. But, you know, they had some budgets 
for for him and he was kind of boxed into a corner in my opinion a lot like the, the trade deadline there was a lack of moves this past year and I think there was a couple of reasons for that I think not wanting to go over that budget that was given and then you mm-hmm. saw the reaction when we traded away Christian Vasquez a couple of years ago <laughs> guys were like what you traded away Christian Vasquez which <laughs> that was a move where we could now have maybe our starting right fielder for the future. He's one of our, t- uh, I believe he's number six in our system now. And Will, you're brave, right? So that was a guy like, you know, and so getting back to this past trade deadline, it's like, I felt like he really couldn't do anything, right? If he made a move, it was going to bum people out. And if he, but then he, even if he wanted to, he wasn't going to be able to because of the budget that was given, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think with Bloom, He's going to be in a better situation here where he's not having to worry about what John Henry's looking to do on the outside, right? Now, I'm mm. not saying the Cardinals are going to go out there and blow, you know, billions of dollars, but, no, no. you know, <laughs> it's, I think it's just a better fit for him. And I think it's when I, it always felt like with me, I don't, I don't think I've ever even said this out loud. I guess I kind of always thought it. I felt like Heim. It just wasn't like based off of his personality. I don't know. He never felt like like a Boston guy. Like mm-hmm. there was this, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that like he was very open, and I love that about him. He always talked with. He went on podcasts. Like when do you ever see guys doing that? Right. Yeah. Um. He was a guy that was very open to talking to people. Shoot, yeah. who knows? Maybe if I reached out to him, maybe he would have talked to me. Probably not. But <laughs> I liked how open he was. I, I liked how much he wanted to have a discussion about things mm-hmm. and it was good because it gave you transparency. And um, I just felt like in, in a pressure cooker of a town in Boston, yeah. it's, I felt like there were times he tried to be either too cute or didn't want to make a move. Right. Or cause he didn't want to possibly upset people. Um, just kind of felt like he had nowhere to go. And I mm-hmm. think in the end, yeah. right. And then you, you also get back to, he does have that raise background a little bit, looking for as much value as he can when it comes to signings and trades where, yes, John Henry wanted that, but I just felt like in the end, the lack of moves hurt him. And you can say what you will. Yeah, the, the, the minor league system was amazing, but the major league team wasn't having success. So, Yeah, well – you talk a lot about him getting like boxed into a corner. And I feel that way with Mosaic sometimes. So I can relate to that with a little bit of yeah. overreach from owners. Um, and I'm sure, you know, this is coming, but let's talk about the Mookie Betts trade. That seems like the move that really defined his time in Boston yeah. um, for better or for worse. It seems like it's something that's made people really upset. Yeah. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And I don't know. Yeah. Just general thoughts. Yeah. It, it's funny because that's kind of what got my channel off the ground. A little mm-hmm. bit. I, I still remember, um, still remember my, my my girlfriend at the time, where I, I remember I showed her a video. Uh, I don't even remember what video it was. It was a Mookie Betts video. It got to like a thousand views, and I remember I I told her I'm like I'm I might have something here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I can thank Mookie Betts for getting me off the ground a little bit. Um, but I just felt like that was a it was a no win situation. And what, what what sucked about that was it was so out there and I felt like he just had no leverage at all yeah. from the get-go. Like, yeah. he basically just kind of had to not take what he got, but 
he, he was just trying to find the best possible package that could help the major league team, but also give them something for the future as well. I would have loved if we had gotten Broussard Gratterall out of that trade. That was mm-hmm. one of the, the pieces at one point. And then the, you know, the health, the physicals or whatever, they weren't really, cause he was looking at him as like a starter, I guess hmm. at the time. Dang. And, uh, but no, I saw that guy. I'm like, dude, that's a shutdown closer in the making. Like, oh my God. And it, so anyway, they backed out of it. And then we ended up going to Verdugo and Wong and Jeter Downs. And obviously none of those guys are on the Red Sox anymore. So what can you do? Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah, we should still have Mookie. And I, I'm not going to put that on Heim. I'm going to put that on ownership, right? I. But then I could also maybe put it on Mookie a little bit because it seemed like he was dead set on going into free agency. Mm. But then again, maybe that was a leverage thing. Maybe that was just the thing where like, Hey, pay me the money and I'll stay. Right. So who knows? He has said before he would have stayed in Boston. I don't know. You know, who knows, but that should have been someone you locked up for a long time. And, you know, but it's John Henry at the end of the day, this is a guy I'm always going to be thankful for the four world series that we have. Mm -hmm. And, but then there's just so many downs where, I don't know, just John Henry gives me this vibe where he just he just never knows what he really wants, right? He wants something one year and then the next year he's like, oh, okay, I want to do something different. Yeah. So yeah. now you see they're now they're partners with the PGA. So it's like I, I, I don't know what this guy wants. I, I don't know. Man. They're like yeah, the no. anti-Cardinals because the Cardinals yeah. are like always just like solid. The Red Sox are either best team in baseball, they're winning the World Series, or they're in last place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's Sorry. like you said, the fit for Hein Bloom, it seems like it makes a lot of sense in St. Louis to build a sustainable winner, a productive yeah. organization where you kind of count the mid 80s to low 90 wins every year and then push the chips in when needed, but don't be too aggressive. Yeah. Uh, the DeWitts are not going to, very few times have they gotten in bidding wars for anyone. They're pretty, they're pretty safe with spending. Yeah. Um, but they're, I, I don't see them being the type of team that's going to force a Nolan or an auto trade either. So he's not going to be in a Mookie bet situation. But that, I think I'm glad we you addressed that and gave some perspective because a lot of Cardinal fans have concerns about the bets trade and the, some of the contracts he's handed out. But it does seem the context is key with a lot of that. Um, something that he was heralded with his time with the, uh, the Rays, and I wonder if you saw this in Boston as much as the pitching development side of things. And that's something the Cardinals specifically have really struggled with over the last five to seven years like 2013 they were pumping out arms left and right but since then it's the matthew liberators it's the dakota hudson's of the world they just can't find that guy that they're pretty much their entire rotation the last three to four years has been free agent arms guys they trade for it's never guys they develop is that something you think bloom did a good job of in boston and is that something you anticipate he'll bring to st louis or even identifying some of those fringe you know there were there were a couple of guys that had come up like tanner hauck was one of them he came up and contributed and uh you know let's see what kind of a role he has for this coming year what i felt like heim was good at at least while he you know while he was there right it's not going to be all on him right it's going to be people within the organization as well too but again he, he was leading the way um i felt like on the pitching development side of things it lacked but he was really good at finding those diamonds in the rough. Mm. Uh, it's it just like, like who the heck is this guy? Like where in the world did this person come from? So he's good at that. And I think for the Cardinals, that'll go hand in hand. We're like in Boston, like, oh, okay. You know, we, we, we like those under the radar guys sometimes. And then they kind of become like these folk heroes a little bit where 
for the Cardinals, I feel like that just kind of fits into just how they like to do things, right? Yeah. You know, they don't need the splashy signings, but they will grab those under the radar guys and then they become really good players for you. So I think he's going to be good there. And, and I think as well, I mean, I think he'll be the first person to say that, you know, he probably could have done some things differently with the Red Sox. And I'm actually glad that he got his first taste in that role in such a pressure cooker of a town. Um, and I think it's good that he's going into the role he has now because it kind of just gives him more time to reflect on things and see how another organization does things. And and I I, I think he will do things a little differently than he had in Boston, right? I, I just think it's going to be a better environment for him. A, a, a fan base that loves to win, right? That mm -hmm. wants to win, but... And I, I'm saying this, you know, for love of all, you know, the Red Sox fans out there, we <laughs> can be a little crazy a little bit, right? It, it's a little. Um, like you might need to hop on Cardinals Twitter then because it gets crazy. Here I mean, maybe. Oh, listen, I actually got flamed one time. Just taking a, a sidetrack here for a second. Um, Michaelis, I said Michaelis one time in oh, a yeah. video. And oh, I'm like, Wow there's like 800 Cardinals fans telling me to jump off a cliff. Like I was oh, like, okay, man. all right, well, perfect. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, no, but uh, I feel like, yes, Cardinals fans are very passionate, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like a different feel. In yeah. I can't even fully describe it. It's like, it's a different kind of crazy, yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, and at least for the Cardinals, it's like the it's the vocal minority. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. the majority. When in Boston, it's probably more of a general vibe and feel. But like we, anytime a car, like especially this offseason, anytime you compliment what they've done or you're like, hey, I think they're going to be okay. They're like, you are holding John Mosellock's water. They must be paying you. What's happening? It's, it's brutal over here right now. Knives are out in St. Louis. So hopefully it calms down soon. Yeah, like I think the difference with Boston in general, it's title town, right? Yeah. It's not just the Red Sox. It's the Celtics. It's the Bruins. Yeah. It's the Patriots. It's it's a religion, right? I'm not saying it's not that way, uh, but I feel like when it comes to just championships, mm -hmm. right? No disrespect. It's just Boston has just a different feel yeah. to yeah. it, right? Because totally. like it's it's religion almost yeah. for all the sports, not just the Red Sox. Yeah, and probably the Red Sox too. Like if they're not winning teams i mean fans are going to look at the celtics or the patriots or the bruins when in st louis it's the blues or the cardinals and it's mostly the cardinals so they don't really have anything else so yeah so they can zero in on the Cardinals. yeah, now, right? yeah. and you can't and you, they can't like give up on them either they have to kind of be in on it so yeah that's yeah, true i mean now we have the mls team but you know still. oh you do i didn't know that yeah, they made what the playoffs their first year. It's crazy. The uh, St. Louis City SC. Yeah, we made the playoffs and immediately got knocked out by Kansas no. City. It was supposed to be our rival, yeah. which was oh, a bummer. And we're the year. one seed. Yeah. Are crazy. the Revolution good? I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Pay I think they were okay this year, from what I saw. But I'm yeah. I'm not a big soccer guy. Yeah. Same. Same. Couldn't help you. So. <laughs> Well, I think we're going to move on now to the the O'Neill trade, right? That's a big connection between the Cardinals and the Red Sox as well. So uh, the details of the trade, the Cardinals gave uh, the Red Sox Tyler O'Neill, who's got one year left in arbitration in exchange for Nick Robertson. And then uh, like a depth piece, a pitcher. I don't even remember what his name is. This is so uh, Victor Santos. That's mm -hmm. it. 
Um, but I, I've heard that he's not supposed to be a big contributor at any time. Although Robbie, if you have any insight into that, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, Nick Robertson and then feel free to also talk about O'Neill's fit with the Red Sox. Well, Nick Robertson, that's a, it's another Heim guy. I don't know if anyone yeah. picked up on that, right? Cause he made, <laughs> he traded right when, when they traded Kike, right? So the Dodgers, really? Nick Robertson came back, right? Yeah. So, so that was a Heim guy. And uh, funny enough, I know Heim, ha- I don't think Heim had been announced at that point. No. So um, yeah, I asked John Mozilek a couple weeks ago about that. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I definitely bounced them off. Cause they Kittredge has the, um, the Heim connection from the Rays. Um, wow. And then also Riley O'Brien that they got from Seattle was in the Rays organization. No way. And then Fernandez and, um, uh, geez, uh, Robertson. So all four relievers they've acquired so far have had a high bleeding connection. Yeah. And, uh, but with Robertson, he's a big dude. He's got decent velocity, right? He's got a pretty good slider. Um, he, I, I never really, we never really got to see him in, in Boston mm. all that much. Um, but he's a guy that definitely had some upside and I could see right away why Heim went for someone like that, right? Big frame, a projectable frame, right? So I think for the Cardinals, you know, let's see. Let's see what they can do. And I just felt like with the Red Sox, I don't know, he just never wasn't really given a chance all that much, right? It wasn't really ever thrown out there, right? I think he had a couple outings, but nothing crazy. So, but overall, you know, I think for the Cardinals, though, I think what benefits them is it just felt like O'Neill needed something different, right? There was, you know, the whole, it was that whole saga, you know, over the benching and whatever. And it's, I don't know, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Um, but, you know, I think, I wouldn't say, I don't want to call it an addition by subtraction, but it just kind of felt like it really cleared up some time for the other guys there. Yeah. And it just felt like O'Neill, at least from my perspective, it felt like he reached the end of the road with the Cardinals and he goes somewhere now where his bat, we always say the magic words if healthy, but if yep. he is, then that should be a good fit with the Red Sox. So totally. um, what did you all think about Tyler O'Neill at the end there? Tyler was a guy that I was so high on. Like even as a prospect, I knew I just had it in my bones that he was going to be great. So 2021 was like vindication of like he's a star. But I think yeah. you're right. Like it's 2022 on, it just became clear the relationship was deteriorating. I think O'Neill said on the Foul Territory podcast that him and o- or him and Ollie were like respect to arm's length at the end. Um, and then Ollie was just on a podcast and kind of. He just keeps kind of fanning the flame that maybe him and Flaherty were two guys that just needed to be out of the locker room. So I don't think like if I'm a Boston guy, I don't think O'Neill's going to cause issues in Boston. I just think it was like a, a bunch of weird situations where maybe neither handled it right, but it was clear that a change of scenery was best. And so you probably have the 2024 ALCS on your team. If anything, if you know anything about Cardinal outfielders, that's what's going to happen. So. Yeah. It'll be yeah. the Rays with Palacios and the Red Sox with O'Neill and the ALCS oh, this gosh. year. But yeah. I liked it for yeah, Boston. Moises Gomez. Gomez. Moises Gomez. Oh, yeah. Gomez. Moises yeah. Gomez sometimes. So. But yeah, but, you know, for for Robertson, I think that was a good get, right? Yeah. Um, you know, especially when I felt like they needed something for the bullpen, and that could be a low-key guy, wasn't really given a chance with the Red Sox, and now he could have – possibly a role here with the Cardinals. And and again, I always just love that, you know, you got a, he's the big dude, right? Six foot six, man. That's like, 
kind of big. <laughs> so, um, but he's got good velocity. Yeah. And he's got a 12-6 curveball, has a pre- has a good graded changeup on there as well. So yeah. I think he could end up being a, a really solid reliever for the Cardinals, and he should get a lot of opportunities there. So I think in the end, hey, the Cardinals, they got a couple of good pieces back for a guy that didn't really sit, seem to fit into their future plans. But, you know, yeah, maybe not a whole lot on the surface in that trade that they got mm-hmm. back, but there's, there's upside, right? So, yeah. Yeah. With that, there were some Cardinal fans, especially after the Braves traded for sale that or were like, how on earth did the Cardinals not make an O'Neill sale thing happen? And I was like, I just don't think that was a thing, but do you think like some kind of framework could have been there? Uh, well, I, you got Grissom, which I feel like is a lot more valuable of a piece than O'Neill. Right? Yeah. O'Neill at the end of the day, he, his, his contract was underwater. Right. There wasn't really a whole lot of value there. So with Grissom, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. that's a guy that had value, but didn't really have a place to play. Um, Trying to think of a comparison on the Cardinals. I think Mason Wynn would have been way too much value to send back. No way. Um, I don't know. I can't even think of a guy on the Cardinals that would even walk around. Burleson. Yeah, like maybe like like a Dylan Carlson, like something like that. I think would have yeah. been comparable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually, no. I think yeah, I think that I, based off of the years of control and the age and everything, I think that would have been pretty comparable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like with the Red Sox, it was kind of just a perfect scenario where they needed something at second base. They needed a right-handed bat. It just kind of worked out. Yeah. So. Yeah, so uh, moving on, the the Cardinals picked up uh, Ryan Fernandez as a bullpen arm um, from the Red Sox in the Rule 5 draft pick. So um, what do you think Cardinals fans should expect from him um, in this coming season? Yeah, with Ryan Fernandez, he has some pretty decent projections. He's got a 4.08 ERA for next year and a 4.35 FIP. But the big thing with him is just the slider, right? He's got a nasty slider. And it's, again, getting these kind of high upside guys it's right there in Bl- in Bloom's territory, mm. right? Where he, he that's one thing I, I want to mention about Bloom. It's the one thing he did was he found, and this is kind of a raise thing too. One thing you're gonna notice when you add players, or you're not really sure who they even are, you're gonna find one tool that's really mm. good with them. You're either gonna see a guy like Pavetta on the um, for example, the curveball was insane. Right. He had one of the nastiest curveballs, but the numbers were just crap. Right. So Fernandez, really good slider. Robertson, just a big frame, good changeup. Right. That, that's yeah. his best pitch, uh, best off speed pitch. So look, you're going to see a lot of moves like that where you're going to be kind of, you got to dig. You got to go, you know, even go to StatCast, you know, go to Baseball America, look at the yeah. scouting. And there's going to be one tool you're going to notice a lot with these guys, whoever, mm. whether it's a pitcher or a position player, maybe. You know, a guy that, you know, let's say offensively, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if you end up adding something offensively where numbers don't look very good, but maybe their exit velocity is looking really good, right? Mm-hmm. And they just haven't yeah. quite put it together yet. So that that is, to me, another classic Heimbloom kind of a move. Interesting. Yeah, it's a big part in turning the organization into a more analytical, forward-thinking you know, franchise. So I I guess I see why that's really important. It's, it's so weird because the Cardinals have just been not been that way for so long. They've, they've been like, Oh, we want pitchers with polish and we want the control guys. And that's how you end up with a rotation that's full of Dakota Hudson's 
Um, which nothing on Hudson. I hope he has a great career elsewhere, but clearly he was not the guy in St. Louis. Um, before we move on from the relievers, just want to ask one question. There's a ton of conjecture here. Um, but of the three pitchers with Heim connections, minus O'Brien, I don't know where he factors in. So Fernandez, Robertson, and Kittredge, I know they're not like super comparable, but of those three, like who do you think will be the most trusted um, come September? And I guess rank them one through three in terms of who the most interesting is. Hmm. Probably go Kittredge, Robertson, Fernandez. All right. I, I like I like the upside of Robertson. I was really excited when the Red Sox got him. Right. Mm-hmm. There was something where I don't know why they just never went with him. Right. And I don't know. They just didn't want to go with him. I, I just I think he has really good upside. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Kittredge, that's a guy who had a lot of a lot of good stuff in the past. I, I think if if he's just good to go, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a guy that could definitely contribute. And Fernandez, you know, we'll see. He's got the good slider, but not a ton of velocity. That's what I like about Robertson is he's got the velocity that can mm-hmm. kind of lead him there. And Kitcher's just, yeah. just a guy who's had a lot of success in the past. So yeah. that's, that's the order I'll go. Kittredge, I think it was 2021, the year he was really good, whichever year it was, he had he was 100% tile and width rate on his sweeper slider, which is nuts. So talk about that one big tool there. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, just pivoting a little bit, we've talked a lot of Cardinals. People, obviously, that's why they tune in here. But I do want to ask you your opinions on the Red Sox offseason, because I think in some ways, even though we talked about how the fan bases are different, there does seem to be a little bit of a, it feels like on the Red Sox end, there's frustration from fans about how things are going so far, especially maybe towing the water of Yamamoto and other bigger things. And then it's mostly been Giolito and smaller stuff. Yeah. How do you feel about the Red Sox offseason right now? And then maybe even comparative to like the Cardinals, like how, how would you feel like, how should Cardinal fans feel in comparison to what other organizations are going through right now? Well, I gave the car, like I said, right now with the Cardinals, I give them a B. Right? Yeah. I think just a good, which is a lot higher than fans would give. Most would give like a D right now. They, they say F. <laughs> They're yeah, ridiculous. I, you know, I, I, you know why I think it's that way? Because I think everyone was expecting like Aaron Nola. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got Sonny Gray, but Aaron Nola is a guy who's been in, you know, the postseason here yeah. in the last couple I of years. I like Gray better. So I think the expectations were pretty high. Yeah. I remember, I, I think I made some kind of a meme. I don't even remember what I even put, but it was, it was uh, going into the offseason. You were expecting like Nola. Um, oh, no. I'm going blank on a couple other names. <laughs> there was like, three names that I felt like yeah. everyone was looking for. And then you end up with Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Right. So it's yeah. like, there's just no good yeah. moves in my opinion. Now yeah. Lance Lynn, let's see. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. He's been getting hit, but uh, I think, you know, again, I don't mean to keep bringing up high bloom, but let's see if maybe he can have a say and may- like, Oh, Hey, you know what? I think this could work. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think just that change of scenery for him could be good. As for the Red Sox, though, right now I'm at a C. Okay. Um, which might be surprising to a lot of people because they have made some good logistical kind of moves, right? Clearing out the sale contract, you know, bringing in a couple of smaller pieces that could help you along the way, right? I, 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 I need something else, though, right? Because mm-hmm. the problem, and I mentioned this with the Red Sox earlier, where the one thing they're lacking is pitching development at this point. There's not really a whole lot of guys they can turn to down on the farm. There are some guys that definitely could 
have some upside, right? Richard Fitz is a guy I'm looking for, you know, something like that. Maybe Brian Mata is healthy and he can maybe do something. Cause if he doesn't make the team this year, he actually gets cut. So that's something he's been a, he was a top prospect for the Red Sox at one point. So the problem with the Red Sox is they don't have anything over the next couple of years that is really going to, I think, give them some stability until they can develop some more pitching. That's why I think Montgomery is so perfect for them. And you guys who obviously know about Montgomery. Yeah. I, I, I would actually argue it's even more perfect of a fit than going back to the Rangers, right? Because yeah. his wife is in Boston. Yeah. Um, he needs somewhere. I mean, I've been told personally before it actually all started coming out that he would like to go to Boston, right? Because mm-hmm. it just fits, right? His wife is there. She's going to Harvard for dermatology. She's doing her residency there. So that is something I think is realistic. And it's it's difficult because I understand why the Red Sox are doing things. Also, probably in part because of the Fenway Sports Group and how they're mm-hmm. doing things financially. I think that ties into it a little bit. But yeah. I can also understand that they're waiting for these guys to kind of come up right? Like these Roman Anthony's Marcelo Myers, right? Kyle Teal. I'm very excited for, but they don't, they're not ready yet. Right. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking, are they going to really go for a big splash? And, and really, when you think about it, not a lot of free agents have worked out for the Red Sox, at least over the whole contract, right? Mm -hmm. JD Martinez is probably one that you can look at, right? But then you look at all these other ones, right? You look at Pablo Sandoval, look at Carl Crawford, Right, like some of these terrible contracts that just didn't work out. Um, but I think there's an exception to be made here for them to kind of push the envelope a little bit and yeah. go get a Jordan Montgomery. I think the problem though, it's you know, you see a lot of Red Sox fans getting very annoyed right now, but I don't know. Last time I checked, all of these free agents are still on the board. Right. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean it's not, it's not just the Red Sox not doing anything. It's all these other teams and that the common denominator, Scott Boris. Oh, right? oh boy. And, but I think Scott, Bo- here's the thing. I don't know if Scott Boris, like here's, the, I, I can't ever say he, he did something wrong. Cause he, he's just so good at what he does. He gets yeah. the money for these guys. It's unbelievable. Uh, you can hate him all you want, but the guy is yeah. very good at what yeah. he does. I just wonder, did he like screw this up a little bit? Like, cause there was the TV stuff going on. I don't know. I would imagine he probably had some kind of an idea of that. I don't know. Uh, cause you're seeing Snell out there just looking for nine and 270, which is not going to happen, of course. But I don't know. It's not just the Red Sox that aren't making these moves, right? Yeah. It's there's other, there's other teams out there that also could use Blake Snell or Montgomery, and they haven't got them yet either. So I understand what the Red Sox are doing because I'm a big – when it comes to looking at players, you, one thing you have to remember with free agency that I've noticed over the years is you're really paying for the first two or three years of that contract, yeah. and you're hoping for the best on the next couple of years. Um, and I just think the Red Sox, they just don't want to go long-term for anything right now because they're not really in a position to do it. Right. If you're the Dodgers, right. If you're then, yeah, like, okay, go get that guy for five years. Right. Yeah. Cause they're in that position, right. To go for it. Right. But the Red Sox aren't really, they kind of need to show it first. And so I can understand not wanting to give six years to Blake Snell or, you know, five years to Montgomery. What I think ends up happening 
I do personally think Montgomery will end up with the Red Sox. I just okay. have a feeling about it. I, I, I don't know why. I, I just feel like it's going to happen. It feels like yeah. the J.D. Martinez thing from 2018 where he was on the market until like the last week of February. He's another Boris guy, right? Yeah. He wanted seven years and 210 in that November, right? He wanted seven years, 210. And then he ended up getting five and 110. So it's kind of like, I don't know, man. It's just perfect. Unless he goes back to the Rangers. That I could absolutely see that. But they got all the TV money stuff. I, I don't know what's going on with that. And they're only doing these one-year deals and two-year deals. Yeah. And, you know, bringing in Tyler Maley, you know. And so I just get this feeling, unless like a surprise team, comes up that you weren't expecting like the cubs maybe the angels or maybe i don't know like a weird team like the astros right who are also in texas you know like they just signed hater i don't know where trader kitty maybe and go get montgomery i don't know like so unless something weird happens like i feel like he's going to the red sox i don't know what do you guys think about jordan montgomery i really like him it's one of those weird things where cardinal fans I've kind of gone back and forth, but because he was on a team that was so bad, it felt weird to bring him back as a big move. But mm-hmm. every start he made, he I think at the beginning of the season it was a little rough for him, but I think the six or seven weeks leading up to the deadline, he had a sub two ERA. So like people think he got better with the Rangers. He did get slightly better, but he yeah. was pitching really well with St. Louis down the stretch. Oh, yeah. So I mean, if they wanted to spend and make him the number two to gray, I think this rotation is playoff already. I mean, you've got at least a game one, game two guy. Yeah. Um, so for Boston, that'd be a huge get. And then pair him with Giolito and uh, Brello. And I mean, oh, Bello. And it just becomes a really interesting rotation, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. <laughs> they just need some edit. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. God, please, for the love of God, please. Um, you know, overall, though, I know I rambled there a lot, but th- for the Red Sox, it's it just feels incomplete. And they, they have made some upside kind of moves like Isaiah Campbell is one I'm pretty excited about. They nabbed him for the Mariners. That A, a low-key kind of a deal. Breslow is a lot like Bloom, but mm. I think Breslow, it's it's a it's a feel thing. I think Breslow might have a bit more of a better feel when it comes to what the Red Sox need to do. Mm. Um, where, you know, I, I just don't, they're being very disciplined, which I can, I can respect that. I can respect discipline, right? But then there, there just comes a time where, I think you need to do something, right? But I think what they're doing is they're just waiting for these guys, the price to come down a little bit. And because that's what I was told. If if it's three years, they can make something work, right? But hmm. they're not, it doesn't seem like they're willing to go past that, right? Interesting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I don't know. Maybe in Montgomery, I, I made this point the other day on my show with Montgomery. I don't think that would be the worst thing if you got a three-year, like, I don't know, like 28, 20, 29 million per year yeah. kind of a deal. Kind of take that Chris Bassett route where he's like 34, 35, go back out in the market again, go nab yourself another three-year deal. Like, I wouldn't say that's the yeah. worst situation because Montgomery is durable, right? He's going to give you yeah. innings. He's a, you know, hey, guy's consistent. So I feel like he's going to be fine in a few years if he goes back out. I think he would like to get something more long term, yeah. like five, six. But at the end of the day, if these teams have read Boris and they've read his hand, then hey, yeah. we'll see, man. It's it's crazy how we have all these free agents and we're what one day away from February. So it's wild. I, I hate when we 
we get into these like staring contests and it's just who's going to play first right is it boris or is it these organizations and it seems it seems like the organizations are not going to fold it really does feel like we're going to wait pitchers and catchers are going to report and either jordan montgomery's going to go to spring training or he's still going to be waiting which is just crazy yeah um, i don't like that so much for for pitchers I and mean, what do uh, i know yes. I mean, you know but no, i hate I, it yeah, if if I'm a pitcher, man, and I got pitchers and catchers in two weeks, eh, I kind of want to have an idea because pitchers are way more routine based, mm-hmm. yeah. right? All baseball players are, but pitchers though, that's a different thing. I'd imagine Mon- Montgomery is, who knows, probably who probably threw a bullpen or something today. Yeah. Um, he's keeping himself right, but absolutely, I don't know. Even the relationship with the catcher and stuff, like the Cardinals ran into yeah, in, in spring training because of the World Baseball Classic. Michaelis and Wainwright were gone. They had some other pitchers gone too. So the whole Contreras thing. I mean, that's a that's its own saga, but it definitely was like the beginning of the beginning of a big issue. So I'm wondering if maybe this one might I, it's, again. Who knows? There's been plenty of moves that have happened that we didn't expect. I wonder if he ends up just going back to the Rangers on like a one year deal. Yeah, right? if, if it gets that late. You know, if that happens like, and he doesn't come to St. Louis, like I will lose my mind. <laughs> no, that would be really Sonny good. For deferred money. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. The Cardinals deferred that Sunny Gray money. They have they have so much extra space compared to what we thought they would have. Yeah. And if Montgomery yeah. goes somewhere on anything less than than three years, I will lose my my mind. That's crazy. Yeah. I could see that. Right. It's, I, I would only see him doing a one year deal with a with a a team he's familiar with. Yeah. Know, I would imagine that's of, the thing he wants to win. Yeah. You know, and I just wonder if it probably doesn't happen. It's we're at this point now where we're literally just coming up with hypotheticals, but yeah, it's just kind of, we're this close now. And it's like, you know, talking to your wife, like, you think I should just do the one year deal? and We'll do this again next year. You know what I mean? Like it's, eh, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of someone who deferred money, um, oh, so this offseason, no. <laughs> there <laughs> were um, the Red Sox were linked to uh, some of the the more uh, like namely free agents like Otani and Yamamoto, who ended up going to the Dodgers. Um, so, do, did you think there was ever like a real shot that the Red Sox would play in that market? Because I know Otani, he's a little bit different um, of a long term contract. For Otani, I never got that feeling ever. Never, not once. I unless it was like more leaning towards those Red Sox terms. I don't know. I don't think they were gonna give that guy ten years. I, I just mm-hmm. didn't see it. You had New Balance in Boston. You got the headquarters there. So I think there was intrigue. I think there was interest, but I just never saw it. Yamamoto, on the other hand, I thought, man, if there's one dude you really go for, that's the guy. Right? I don't know. I just, I personally have this feeling that those two, they just wanted to be Dodgers. Like, I don't know. It, it just yeah. doesn't ever feel like he, ev- they, both of them never really wanted to go anywhere. Right. I think the Mets were in it until the end for Yamamoto. The Yankees were hanging around too. I, I, I never, I don't know. I always think that. I think they went into this offseason. Yeah, we're going to go to the Dodgers, but we'll listen to the other teams. Right. When, of yeah. course, listen to the other teams to drive that market up. So that's what I think it was. But as for the, for Yamamoto, yeah, in the early going, I thought, yeah, there's definitely a chance here. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, I just 
realized how much of an idiot I was and there was no <laughs> chance that that was going to happen. So <laughs> we've talked about in here some, like I can't think of another pitcher or player who's had their market in like a six to seven week period go from like, I mean, people have doubled from 30 to 60 million before, but to go from 180 to 350 in like an eight week period, crazy. it's just crazy. Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was at the winter meetings or GM meetings. And he said at the GM meetings, the team that would or the when he had asked people about Yamamoto, they all were saying the Cardinals are on the front runners because of how they uniquely positioned themselves. And then by the time the winter meetings came around, none of them thought they had a, a chance because of how that market went. And so it does yeah. feel like he wanted to be a Dodger, but with Yamamoto specifically that like. I, I just let's 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 do it like your, what are your thoughts generally in this MLB offseason because I just feel like it's it's been slow but also there's just been some crazy deals handed out in the process too and the RSN stuff has really thrown a curveball into it but overall big picture what are your thoughts on this offseason right now you know like yeah it's it's easy to say this offseason sucks right mm -hmm. which it kind of does but it kind of makes me wonder are we maybe seeing a bit of a a bit of an evolution in free agency a little mm -hmm. bit, right? Are we going to see some differences over the next few years where, yeah. I mean, you literally have a Cy Young winner that teams don't really want to touch for a long time, right? I, it just kind of, you're because you're seeing history over time where these guys sign for huge deals and they, these contracts just don't work out. And, uh, yeah. I think you're really starting to see, especially with these small market teams, with how they're signing these young players, like the Braves, obviously, doing what they're doing, seeing Jackson Churio with the Brewers, Colt Keith with the Tigers. I think this is – I think we're starting to go into it – not fully yet. I think the wheel is slowly turning, right, to where you're going to be getting – of course, there's always going to be guys, you know, that are going to be worth – giving you know big contracts and teams are going to be in different situations that's why the offseason it's always different it's because there's so many different situations that can play out and teams are in different situations themselves yeah. to you know not just with the team but financially as well so where you know i just wonder now if we're going to start seeing more attention towards like these young players and you know and i and I wonder with free agency what it's going to be like in the next five to 10 years. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting how it's played out. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a real bummer of an off season. Like it's so easy to say that. Um, but of the big guys that are left, we've talked pitchers. Um, there's at least one really big position player left in Cody Bellinger. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about where you think he could go. Is he going back to Chicago um, and then we'll get into the Cubs offseason a little bit. Well, now that Turner's going to the Blue Jays, it doesn't feel like he's going to go there, right? Yeah. That was the only way I could see them being in it because that way you could maybe you could move Vlad to DH a little yeah. bit and Ballinger could play some first. He can go out in the outfield too, right? So, But now that you have Turner there, it just kind of doesn't feel like it's going to happen. I think with Ballinger, I think teams are – it's it, he definitely helped himself out this past oh, yeah. year, but there's always going to be the thought of the last three. So yeah. it's kind of one of those things where, you know, when I saw 200 million, I'm like for, for Bellinger that Boris is looking for, I'm like, get out of here, dude. You're not, not even 200 close. million. Like it's crazy. But again, but again, that's what agents do, right? They, they shoot for the moon and then, yeah, so you got to come down. So 
Bellinger, yeah, I, I think he probably ends up with the Cubs unless, you know, hey, Artie Moreno's still with the Angels. That seems True. like an angel kind of a guy to go get. So I just uh, want I to see him make a deal. Like it at one point. But give I'll me say, like the Dansby Swanson contract for Bellinger in Chicago and let them be old and unproductive together. That would be wonderful. <laughs> we're you know, big, we're big haters of the Dansby Swanson contract here. So bad. I'll tell you though, with the Cubs. I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Chapman there. I, I really it wouldn't. I don't know. A lot of I Cubs would not fans, like that. <laughs> yeah, Cubs fans they they cringe at it. But I'm like, dude, do you know how good that good. left side of the infield good. will be? Mm-hmm. Like, pull hitters are screwed if they hit a ground ball, right? Yeah. Like, you're not getting anything past those guys. I really, honestly, the fact that the Giants still haven't done it because he felt like a perfect San Francisco Giant. Yep. Yeah, Melvin, obviously, um, they they could use an upgrade there. The fact that the Giants haven't done it yet. It kind of just makes me wonder, like, I don't know. And uh, and there have been reports that the Cubs, they're looking to make some splashes right yeah. over the next couple of weeks here. So I wonder. I wonder if Bellinger, maybe Chapman no. too. No, oh, gosh, both. Only Bellinger and on a mega deal. That's what we need. But Andrew has his own thoughts on someone. Yeah. That up. I mean, as someone who followed the Angels around for three years, I feel like Bellinger and Snell feel like the perfect storm for them to have two more Rendones to try to replace Otani. But that's my own bias. Um no, no. So um, I wanted to know some of your your thoughts on generally like the NL Central teams off seasons. The Cubs signed Imanaga, who I'm not, not a huge fan of, but um, just wanted to know um, how you how you thought the rest of the division ended up doing. I really like the Reds off season, yeah. to be honest with you. Like I really they've been making a lot of little good moves. I, mm-hmm. I really like the way the Reds are looking. Like, I'm not kidding. I might even go with them for the division. I'm sorry. I, I hate to break your hearts, but I really like the way that team is looking. You got all these young guys. Let's see what happens with Montas. Like, I don't yeah. know. If he's right. Okay. That's not bad. Right. Uh, you know, Nick Martinez was a pretty decent pickup for them. You know, you know, Candelario, which no one saw that. And that's a decent guy to add. Right. And you know, got this young pitching there and Hunter green is only going to get better. I like that Reds team, man. And they they had themselves, I think, a pretty underrated offseason. Um, you know, hey, I look, you know, the Pirates, sure. You know, a couple uh well, or Chapman, do you think do you consider that a smaller move? I don't know, but um definitely a bigger name, right? And that bullpen is nasty at the back end, right? Yeah. Bednar and Chapman now, along with Holderman too. That's not bad. And then um we got and and the Brewers, you know, adding Hoskins there, they're always going to be good, right? The Brewers, they do this thing where they they really, they really, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? They really walk the line, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just you every year you think, okay, are they going to sell? Are they going to get rid of these guys? And no, they always just figure out a way where they're just staying in contention. So yeah. I think it's a really fun division to be honest. And uh, but then I think it's weird because I think people. It's so weird that the Cardinals are being slept on, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show and I'm trying <laughs> to you know, jazz things up. Like, no, I really think the Cardinals, like, yeah, people were picking them to easily win the division last year. It's, yeah, yeah that, was, that was only last year. So, you know, like I said in the beginning, you got some innings now, you know, good bats. You know, they just need to kind of get a bit more, you know, cohesive a little bit. Yeah. Things just need to come together a little bit more. I think it's a very fun division. 
Yeah. And uh, the Cardinals lineup is like, it's been underrated, like injuries you can always blame, but uh, like a week or two ago, it's kind of spread around Cardinal nation, but there's top seven bats only played 10 games together the whole year. So like, there's just like, even like the pitching was an issue, but like you said, the continuity even of having your top guys in, it just, I I do think the Cardinals are being slept on, but if I had to pick a team too, the Reds are scary. Like I could see them kind of being about the same again, and maybe it's a year before the pop off, but this could be the year. They have too much young talent. They, they feel like the Orioles back yeah. in back in twenty two, oh, no, right? Because they're like there, yeah, there yet, right? Yeah. I I almost wonder if they're going to take that Orioles kind of a jump this year. I, again, I really like the way the team looks. I mean, you got studs. I'm looking at this lineup now. Like, I'm a big Matt McClain guy. Yeah. Friedel, I think, is underrated. You know, obviously, Ellie De La Cruz, you know, sure. Uh, I just, I like the Reds, man. I, their rotation is, is deeper than I think most people No Lodolo, though, is really important. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. He's, he can definitely cause some problems for the Cardinals this year, for sure, if he's healthy. So Yeah, I think yeah. he's their best pitcher. Like straight oh, up, I love he's better than Hunter Green, and not having him because he's he's out for the season, right? Yeah. So is I think he? that for me, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Okay, I thought he's maybe going to come back, but maybe he comes back later. But I was pretty sure he's definitely missing the first half, which okay, for who me that's uh, Nick, Nick Lodolo, right? Oh, I thought you were saying Hunter Green. I'm like, did I miss something today? No, 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 no. Nick Lodolo is hurt, and I think he's better than Hunter Green. And so for me, yeah, Lodolo's nasty, right? Yeah, he has, he the, I think it was a leg issue. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing he's out is like at least some amount of comfort for a Cardinals fan who's scared of the young Reds. And like you said, Matt McClain is an absolute stud. I think he's their best young hitter. So yeah, yeah. I think for the Cardinals, I think for I think the key for them this coming year is just get get off to a good start, right? Yes. Start strong, right? And that's why I think it's good that you have a guy for opening day. I think that really goes a long way, right? Just having those guys in place they know their roles they know what their job is you know it, it sounds very like simple what i'm saying but really sometimes simple goes the farthest right and i think the cardinals man you know and i guess you know when you look at them last year it, they it's weird because you you felt like they were going to be good but when you really took a look at the cardinals you're like okay i could maybe see why yeah, it didn't really work, right? Yeah. But now they've shored those things up, right? I I, I think it's going to be a really fun division. Me too. Sure hope so. I sure hope it's more of a fun year for the Cardinals because yeah. I was not having fun last year. I'll tell you that. No, yeah. no. Cardinals, <laughs> the, the Cardinals playing well is good for baseball, in mm. my opinion. Oh, just that good, traditional, just solid team every year. So I love that. Uh, well, I think we're we're getting close to being done here. You've already mentioned some of those big names. Let's just rapid fire here, predict where the biggest names left will end up. And then if there's any big trades that you've heard anything about or see happening in the future, um, feel free to throw those in there too. But basically Bellinger or yeah, um, Belly, um, Montgomery, Snell, and then any like Chapman, some of those other big names, where do you think they're ending up? Huh. Let's do hmm. Bellinger Cubs. Okay. Snell Cubs. I'm sticking with my prediction at the beginning of the offseason. I picked him to the Cubs, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. Montgomery Red Sox. I think it just happens. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going blank. Give me another one. Chapman. Uh, oh, Chapman. Oh, dang. Eh, I'll go Giants. I feel yeah. like the Giants. 
Do you think any like the big arms get moved, like a Dylan Cease or Jesus Uzardo? Any of those? Any trade? Any bigger or trades happen before? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Man, you know I. You guys know I love my trade stuff, man. Oh yeah. Um, but Dylan Cease, Chris Getz is. Man, he really he he shot himself in the foot with that one. He mm. really did. Uh, I remember hearing about it from the beginning of the offseason that the Braves at one point. I was told behind the scenes that the Braves threw down an offer of Shaver, Elder, and Grissom. And he said, you got about like a few hours to take it. Right? And they wow. and they said, uh, no, hefty we're, we're going to go. And he's like, okay, all right, well, that, that offer's off the table. And then they were going back with either Elder or Shaver, Grissom, and then some other prospects. But wow. Getz was just looking for everything, right? Yeah. Um, and even there was a, there was a Braves – fan fest either this past weekend or whatever and there was a clip that guy came that uh, came out um where the anthopolis was being interviewed and then these fans that were on the outside of the glass they were showing him like a like a message saying trade for cease and then anthopolis was like nah he's too expensive right so <laughs> it's it's very telling right and i, I yeah. get it you're looking for a haul but here's the thing dylan cease is two years of cost control his numbers have steadily gotten a bit worse, even though there's his strikeout numbers and his stuff numbers are still really good. Yeah. You know, it, the overall numbers have come down a little bit. So, and yeah, he still has really good value, but I just wonder how far teams are willing to go for yeah. Dylan Cease. And yeah, everyone says the Orioles for Dylan Cease. That's a, you know, pretty popular landing spot for him. I don't think they really match up all that well. And I've thought that for a little while mm. where people always say, Oh, the Orioles, they got so many prospects. Yeah. There's a lot of prospects there, but you got to look at what are the organizational needs? What are the values of these prospects? Like, are, are, are like Samuel Basalo, Basayo, sorry, I keep saying Basalo. He's a big time prospect to keep yeah. an eye out for in, for the, uh, in the Orioles system this year, but he's really like the one piece that they wanted to go big that is a piece they could move because they have Kobe Mayo already in their system. And this Basayo is a catcher as well, but you got Rushman there. So that's yeah. an expendable piece. So just because they have all these prospects doesn't mean that they're necessarily a great trade partner. So if you, and for the white Sox, it seems like they're looking for guys that are closer to major league ready. So you like guys like Joey Ortiz and Westberg. Well, the Orioles don't want to give up Westberg, so that's one mm -hmm. thing. But someone like Joey Ortiz could be expendable. But then you got Colson Montgomery in that system. So it's like, you know, you know, yeah. what do you want to do there? So that's why I don't think the Orioles and the White Sox don't really match up all that well for Dylan Cease. However, I think the Orioles match up way better for a guy that's more expensive, believe it or not, and that's Jesus Lazardo. I mm -hmm. think Jesus Lazardo makes tons of sense. Oh yeah, for the Orioles, but they also make sense as trade partners, in my opinion, because like I mentioned, a big prospect that you can work a deal around in Basayo. The Marlins have no bats in their system. That would be yeah. a huge bat for them to get. Yeah. But he's someone that the Orioles. It's one of those you got to be uncomfortable a little bit to give something up if you want something good. Yeah. And he's one of those pieces that you're okay with giving up because he is farther away, but you got Kobe Mayo in the system. So it's like, okay, we can part with this guy. We can deal with it. He might be really good for this other team, but we're okay with that. Um, but then like Joey Ortiz, Marlins in a shortstop, right? That's like, again, like you're, it's not about the, the prospects. 
that the amount of prospects that you have, it's, it's the fit, right? Not just for your major league team, but in the organization as well. And then obviously mixing in the values and whatnot. It, I think Jesus Lazardo, in if I were to give a prediction, I think Jesus Lazardo is an Oriole by opening day. I just wow. I just feel it. And I have been told personally that that has been a conversation at one point. Okay. So we'll see. I don't know. But Cease, though, who knows? I mean, I, I think at this point, I feel like the best bet for Cease to get moved is if you get like a third team involved. Like that mm. seems to be like, in my opinion, at least as of right now, because I feel like he would have already had something by now, but seems like he's having a hard time finding that one-on-one partner yeah. where to get exactly what he wants. So I wonder if he's going to have to involve a third team to really get something done, like to make everyone happy. Or he just waits until the deadline, which I think is silly because lose so his value is only going to go down. Yeah, and so, if he gets hurt. Yeah. yeah, you lose control. He could get hurt. He can play poorly. His value is yeah. locked in right now with what it is, and it's really high. It would I'd be, be curious if a, like a rotation has a major injury in spring training, if maybe that could that make could something happen. Yeah. happen. Yeah, but, sure. yeah, it kind of does feel like Getz is going to wait this out, which doesn't feel like the play, but whatever. They're going to do it. So yeah. I hope I for his sake it works, right? Yeah, true. Because um, there's really no reason for the White Sox to keep him. You know, yeah. Then there was like all these rumors about the Mariners getting involved, and was I was wondering. I do wonder at one point if the Mariners were talking with Cease. You know, and maybe I don't know. I'm speculating, but I was wondering if because you got Polanco there. I was yeah. wondering if maybe they were looking at like a Cease Mancada kind of a package or something. Because I'm like, why would the Mariners want Cease? They don't need a pitcher. They need yeah. a bat. So I was like, well, you could have Mancada play third. You know, so I thought maybe that. So that's where I mean, like, I wonder if maybe they have to go, you know, to another team, right, to get something involved, totally. something else involved to get a deal done, you know? Yeah, so. it feels like whoever gets Cease is going to have to get pretty creative here. Um, yeah. It's, it's a weird situation. Hopefully yeah. the Cardinals get involved with somebody, but kind of, you know, clock is ticking and it feels pretty unlikely. I thought Cease was a great a great idea for the Cardinals. Uh-huh. Right? Or Lazardo. You know? <laughs> Either yeah, or, Ricardo would be great. That would, no, that would be really nice. I guess I, I would. I'd like to ask your guys' opinion on that. Like, yeah, I know you guys just acquired a lot of prospects at the deadline this past oh, yeah. year. How do you feel about like going out and getting a piece like Lazardo, who would probably cost you a ton? Like, would you guys mm-hmm. be okay with that? I think you probably get a wide ranging opinion from us. Because I think like the presence of CJC now makes it a little bit more comfortable to give up a Donovan yeah, or Gorman, absolutely. but also those guys are just it's just hard to give up left-handed bats like that in this game. Yeah. So I think like I would probably have the opinion if they could pull off CJC, Tink Hentz, like a, a basically the top prospects in their system, it might be worth going for because the majority of your core at the major league level from a position player standpoint is young, so you don't necessarily need to replace any of them soon besides Goldie, but who knows with that. Um, so I'd love to see. I just don't think they're going to be aggressive enough to do it. I think they're going to hope that Cease's market falls down, and the only way they go after him is if it falls into their lap, which that's not going to happen. But well, one one idea I, I've had is we just brought up the Mariners, right? I got some young guys there, Bryce yeah. Miller, Brian Wu. You know, I've wondered, man, you know, like a straight up swap of like Donovan for like Miller, 
or something yeah, like I've thought know. about that a lot. We've talked about the Mariners on this show a lot. One of my roommates is a big Mariners fan. And so yeah. he's always mm-hmm. feeding me whatever goes on there. But the Mariners just they're so tight fisted with that pitching. It's almost ridiculous at this point. I mean, it's yeah, like I know. And then, Gilbert and yeah. Kirby and Wu and yeah, Miller yeah. and Hancock, too. Yeah. You can't have all of those guys. The- the problem with the Mariners and the Cardinals, I feel like they both are tight handed about their strengths. And so yes. they're never going to match up because they're not like the Cardinals are going to value Donovan more than the Mariners are. And the Mariners are going to value Wu and Miller more than the Cardinals are. So yeah. it like makes so much sense, but it's not like it just feels like it will never happen. Yeah. Well, especially now. I mean, yeah, you know, they don't need a second baseman now. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, thought that, I thought that would be a good piece because the Mariners are looking for a high contact bat. Yeah. I'm like, well, I know Donovan was hurt, but. That's a good contact bat. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't like love Donovan too. So I, yeah. I don't like Miller enough to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's of of the guys there. I think he's the least interesting. And yeah. it's like I don't see them parting with Wu quite as easily. And they're definitely not moving on from Gilbert or Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a dream. I know. I, it's funny because my uh, my best friend he works with Gilbert's stepdad. Oh, interesting. Wow. He told me that one day. I'm like, oh my God, can I please talk to him and please tell him to come to Boston, please? Uh, but a man can dream. Gilbert would have been great for the Cardinals. That would have been awesome. Oh my, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a fun conversation. Yeah. Everybody, please go check out Robbie's channel. It's Robbie Hyde. He puts out incredible content. He also does great stuff on Twitter. Um, go check out his socials. And then also check out our socials, at Newt News Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Uh, And then also please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the support means a lot to us and it really does help us keep the channel going. Um, We love bringing content to you guys. We love having cool guests like Robbie on. We love doing these live streams. And then remember, you can ask us any questions. Uh, We will be there to respond on Twitter or Instagram. And then one more thing, we've got our membership program. So please go check that out. The link uh, is on our channel, on our link tree as well. Um, And then we have just an awesome discord. We've been building out like a really fun Cardinals community building out that infrastructure that really doesn't exist anywhere else. So this is a special thing you can get here with the Newt News Pod. Uh, again, thanks so much, Robbie, for joining us. Been an absolute blast. Thanks, Robbie. Right Thank you, guys. Pleasure is mine, man. It's awesome coming on here. Thank you.